Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Amen. As we continue to worship today, let me invite you. Let's take the Word of God. Let's open the Word of God and find in the Word of God to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, we've been walking through the last several weeks the Sermon on the Mount. And we're coming today to another major teaching moment for, for Jesus as He teaches us again. It's what's on the inside that counts. It's not about external behavior modification. It's not about looking good on the outside because you can dress up a grave, but it doesn't remove the dead bones on the inside. And so again, Jesus is going deep and he's going to wade into the depths of our hearts. And so last week we, we looked at anger and we learned that hatred and anger in our own hearts, it creates in all of us a desire to be a murderer. And so last week we all got dialed in and we all got labeled murderers. Today we're all going to get dialed in and labeled as adulterers. And so none of us are going to escape this room guilt-free because we understand, again, it's all about the heart. And so understand here in this text, one big truth that's been taught over and over and over again is that sin is not about what we do. Sin is about who we are. All of us, we are guilty sinners in the eyes of God. None of us are righteous. No, not one. On our best day, the Word of God says that our good works are like filthy rags, that none of us can achieve salvation, none of us can gain salvation, none of us can ever perform into salvation. So Christ comes and teaches us, you've heard it said this, but I'm going to teach you this. And so we must drastically deal with our sin. That's going to be where Christ takes us today because we can't entertain it. We can't flirt with it. We can't nibble around the edges of it and allow even just a little bit into our own lives. We are to crush it. We're to hate our sin. We're to dig it out and remove our sin because what the text is going to teach us today is that our sin, we know this, leads us to hell. That if we're left in our sin without any salvation, without the blood of Jesus Christ, that all of us on our own, our sin has determined that we deserve hell. But Christ has come so we may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. He comes that we may have forgiveness and freedom. So Jesus comes to teach us it's what's on the inside that needs to be transformed because he took our sin so seriously that he died on the cross. We need to make sure that we take our sin just as seriously so that we can find life in his And so I'm praying today that the Word of God will do that in us. So if you will with me, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Starting in verse 27 of chapter 5. It says this, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, that person has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He says, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that of your whole body go into hell. It's the Word of God. Amen? Amen. You may have a seat. Keep the Word of God before you. Let me invite you to not only follow along in the text, but why don't you plug in some things on the backside of the worship, guys, we walk together through the Word. Now, I want to make sure I have a disclaimer for all of us in this room. Today, we're obviously covering a very broad subject of sexuality, what purity looks like, what 
healthy, godly sexuality looks like. And I want us to understand this. We're going to define sexuality the only way God defines sexuality. And we're going to talk about sexuality in a way that is honoring God. So we will not be obscene in any way, but we will cover things that are covered in this text. And so it's going to be important for us to know, here's God's design for sexuality. Here's how we live out that sexuality and obedience, and here's how we live within the bounds that God has created for us. And so we're covering things like anger that leads to hatred, that leads to murder. Then we're covering things like lust, and lust that leads to um, um, desires, that lead to adultery, that lead to hell. We're going to see a lot of things covered here in this text. And so it's heavy-hitting stuff, but it's very simple for us to see what he's teaching us in two things I want to be simply heard today. Number one, Christ shows us that our desire determines our destiny. Our, our desire ultimately determines our destiny one way or the other. Go back to our text in verse 27. He says, You have heard that it was said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, and that's important. It's not the fiery darts of the enemy of temptation. This is dwelling. This is action. This is me sitting there wondering and, and going further than just a look. It looks at a woman with lustful intent. That person is guilty and has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So I want you to understand, we see both in this text the sin of adultery, but with lust, the sin of sexual immorality. How would you define the difference? What, what, what's the difference in those hairs right there? Well, to commit adultery is this. You are married and you are having sex outside of that marriage relationship. That's adultery. But to be lustful is anyone, single or married, is to be sexually immoral, and that's to commit adultery in your heart, which means you're not married to the person that you are objectifying in your mind. The person that you're thinking about, the person that you're taking a step further, that is adultery, and that is sexual immorality. And Jesus clarifies that sexual immorality and adultery happens not only physically and not only literally, but Jesus says right here, sexual immorality and adultery, it happens in your own heart. Happens right here. With lustful intent, that person has already committed adultery with her. Where? In his heart. So here's how I want to boil it down for us to make sure we understand what this means. Adultery, sexual immorality, any form of sex outside a relationship, a marriage relationship between one man and one woman is sin. All right, any form of sex outside of a marriage relationship between one man and one woman, that would be sin. And that includes yourself. All right, sexuality is not an individual thing. It is a covenant thing. And so we understand this is the way that God has taught and that the way God created and that is the way that God gave sexuality and sexual relationship to man and to woman. And why do we do that? Why do we believe that? Because he designed it. God created it. And if God designed it and God created it, we don't get to redesign it. We don't get to make up any rules. We live within his bounds because, remember, his, his bounds are not burdens. They are blessings that lead to our benefit. And so we live within God's design and God's plan of one man, one woman, marriage relationship exclusively purified and set apart for one another. Why? Again, why? Because sex, as we read in this text, it's obviously not just a physical event. It is a spiritual event. 
spiritual experience because there's hell and heaven on the line. We understand that. And so God is so serious about our purity and our holiness, he even judges those who live outside of his bounds and sin. And so he teaches, you have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said. He's not disputing the Old Testament. We, we talked about that last Sunday. He's not disputing. He's not arguing with the text. What he's saying is here, I, I'm not saying you've heard it was written. You're saying you've heard that it was said. And so you've been taught wrong. You've been given a bad theology. You, the leaders, the Pharisees, they've been applying and taking God's word, and they've been abusing it, and they've been misusing it. And so, hey, I'm not here to redefine anything. I'm here to clarify everything because now I'm not just arguing with the word. I am the word. Right? I wrote it. Right? I am the one who wrote the word of God. And so his issue is with their wrong teaching because for the religious... For those who don't care about lordship of, of, of God himself, they didn't care if what they did was ethical. They didn't care if even what they did was moral. All they wanted to know, is it legal? Right? What can I do and what can't I do? That was their only question. I don't care if my heart is messed up and I've got all kinds of sin in my heart. As long as I'm good by legal circumstances, as long as I stay here and I stay safe, then I'm good. I can do whatever I want within the bounds of the law without any change to my heart whatsoever. They didn't care about how they should live for God, but 1 Corinthians 10, 23 makes it very clear. All things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. Not all things are beneficial. There's a lot of things that you can do, but doesn't mean you should do, right? And so we understand that the teaching God is bringing, Jesus is bringing here is like, hey, it's not enough just to be externally obedient. I, I want your internal obedience. I want your heart. I don't want just your hands and your head. I want your heart. And they were looking for loopholes. Loopholes to lordship. God, whatever I can do just to do the bare minimum, I'm interested in that. I want to know what I can get away with. I want to know what, what I can do to, to satisfy myself within whatever bounds I can. And so what they did is they de-spiritualized marriage. And as a result, they de-spiritualized sex. They were making sexuality just whatever they could to please themselves. And they were willing, obviously, to condemn themselves, not adulterers physically, but adulterers, adulterers in their own hearts. But we understand here, again, the law obedience, living for God, it is always spiritual, right? It is always spiritual. Your life is never just a physical life, all right? We are spiritual people, and as people who have eternity on the line, our life for Christ is always spiritual, and so Jesus says, hey, you can break this command at least three different ways. Watch this. He says, I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his Heart. He says you can commit the sin of adultery physically, you can commit the sin of adultery visually, and you can commit the sin of adultery deep down in your own heart. James 1.15 tells us, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, it brings forth death. That's desire. Desire can lead to a destiny of death, and we've all heard that a picture is worth a thousand words, but sometimes a thought is worth a thousand pictures. And we're seeing these men didn't have any care whatsoever. These people didn't have any care whatsoever. It certainly applies to women as well of what goes on here and what goes on here. They only cared what happens here. And so often we see sexual sin, it often begins with a thought. 
And then it becomes your imagination. And all of a sudden, justification of I deserve this, I want this, and then the choice to actually follow through with sin. And I've heard it said before in our Better Man series, you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap your destiny. Destiny, we see here, begins with just a thought. And that's why, church, we must have, according to Philippians 2.5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so, church, we're all guilty of murder because we all have had anger and hatred in our hearts. And now we're going to see, man, we're all guilty of adultery because we've all lusted after things that weren't ours and lusted after people that aren't ours. And we've lusted after things that aren't of God in our own hearts. And so here's the application that we have. You need to know this. You need to avoid the temptation of adultery. You need to avoid it. Avoid the temptation of adultery. Some of the best just truths in the Bible is if for dealing with sin is two things. Number one, you need to flee your sin. That's the first thing. All right, how do I deal with avoiding adultery? How do I deal with avoiding things that I don't need to be avoiding and, and being involved with? Number one, you got to flee your sin. Flee. The best example of someone fleeing their sin in the Bible is Joseph. Joseph was second in Potiphar's house, second in Pharaoh's house, and here he is, and Mrs. Potiphar wanted him so badly and so deeply that that she came, and every day, it says in the Word of God, she invited him to have an encounter with her. And every day, Joseph, right with God, said no. But one day, she came so close to him, and she grabbed him that he physically, literally, he ran. He just ran away, and she had his cloak in his hand, had his jacket right there to show some evidence of some claim that she would make. And God did an amazing thing through that whole story right there. But Joseph shows the power. Sin is right there. I'm running away. Got to get away from it as fast as possible. I can't entertain it. I, I can't even think about it. Second Timothy 2.22 says, flee the evil desires of youth. First Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And so the first thing that we need to do as people of God who want to avoid temptation, want to avoid the traps of sin, number one, flee. Get away. Run away. And don't ever come back. The second thing, not only flee our sin, but then we face our sin and we fight it. Now, sometimes you have to face your sin, face your temptations, and you have to fight it. The best example we have of that is Christ himself. Jesus, Matthew chapter 3, he's out in the wilderness, 40 days without any food, without any water, having moments with his father, and he's being tested there three times by the devil. Satan comes, and he tempts him three different times in three different ways, and every time Satan tempts him, and he twists the word of God, uses the word of God, abuses the word of God to say, hey, Jesus, you can do this. Christ always responds with, it is written, it is written, it is written. What did he use? The sword of the Spirit. All right, he took the sword of the Spirit, the, the living Word of God. And it says in Ephesians six seventeen, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He faced the enemy and he fought the enemy, not with anything physical. He fought the enemy with the truth. Right, the double-edged sword that cuts bone and marrow, that cuts our hearts, he used the word of God. And so we must fight with the same weapon that our Savior fought with. We must fight with the weapon that he's given us. We've got the armor of God, but we've got the weapon of God that shows us how to stand against the lies and the schemes of the enemy who throws his darts and tempts us into all kinds of sin. And we must use the word of God. So you must 
Flee your sin. Then you must face and fight your sin with the right weapon. And so I'm going to challenge you. Get your life in the Word of God and get the Word of God in your life. All right? Get it there. Get it there. And so we're going to see that our desire, it can ultimately determine a destiny. But here's number two that we see in this text. The good news, Jesus delivers. And our destiny, no matter who you are and what you've done and what you're stuck in, our destiny can be delivered by Jesus. Our destiny can be delivered by Jesus. Look in verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body and be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that of your whole body go into hell. Now don't miss this this point of the text. He is not giving us a physical solution to a spiritual problem, right? That, that's not what he's teaching us. He's like, well, here's it. All you got to do is this, and then you'll be fine. That, that's not what it is, because a blind man can still lust, and a one-handed man can still struggle with the, the temptation for adultery in his heart. And so what Jesus is doing then is not giving us a physical solution. He's giving us a clear and costly prescription how to respond to temptation and how to respond to sin. John Owen, a Puritan, would say this a long time ago. He says, be killing your sin or your sin will be killing you. You've got to fight. So how do we fight? What are the ways that we fight? He's given us a clear prescription how to respond. And so we see here we must take drastic action to get rid of whatever temptation that crouches at our doorstep and keeps on knocking at the door of our heart until we answer. We must take drastic action to remove and to flee and to fight and get rid of whatever temptation that crouches at our doorstep and keeps on knocking until we answer. It says in the Word of God that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He will not give up. He is sitting there crouching at your doorstep. And so what Jesus is teaching us, if it's an eye, get rid of it. If it's a hand, get rid of it. In other words, there's nothing too precious in your life that you can keep, that's going to keep you from God. Right? There's nothing more important than being near with God. Nothing more important than your holiness. Nothing more important than your purity. Nothing more important than you being right with God. All right? If it's an eye, if it's a hand, if it's a foot, if it's whatever it may be, you can find and name it and claim it, and you can say, this has got to go. I need this out of my life because nothing is more important than living right with God. Nothing is worth going to hell for, I'll tell you that. Right? Nothing is worth going to hell for. And so we see that there's nothing that is more important in your life, even if it's the most precious, prized thing that you have, then you have to get rid of it and keep anything out of your life that keeps you stuck in your sin. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves, if we're going to be honest, is my sexual purity or my lively purity, just in any area of my life, is it worth more than my convenience? Is it worth more than my comfort? Isn't that a lot of times why we keep sin around? Because we like it. It's comfortable. Oh, it's convenient. It's going to require some boldness for me to stand against that. It might require me sacrificing the gains of this world, which are no gains whatsoever. So less than adultery and and any sin, it it only leads you down a dead-end road. Jesus says right here, you think it'll make you happy, but all that leads you where? Straight to hell. Right, straight to hell. Hell is on the line, and so we see that we have to fight against it. Now, here's the problem. 
a lot of us treat our purity and treat our holiness like a junk drawer. All right? Everybody got a junk drawer in the house today? They all got one. If you don't got one, you're not being honest. All right? We all have a junk drawer. We all have a kitchen, and in that kitchen, we all have that one drawer that everything goes into, right? You've got dead batteries in there. You've got old bread ties. You've got used Ziploc bags, and you've got all kinds of things in that one junk drawer. Why? Just in case. You never know when you might need that receipt, and you never know when you might need that warranty on that flashlight. You never know when you might need whatever you may need. And so we all have in our kitchens, I have one, we all have in our kitchens one drawer or another that is kind of typically labeled as the junk drawer. And it stays like the junk drawer because it's disorganized and it's a mess. And it's just easy to be like, well, I don't know where this goes. There's no real category for this, so it goes here. Right? That's what we all tend to do. All right? If you haven't done that, welcome to America. This is how we live here. All right? If you don't have that, what you also have is not a junk drawer, is the silverware drawer. Right? That's always organized. Right? That's got a place for butter knives and real knives and steak knives. You got big spoons, you got cereal spoons, and you got teaspoons, and then you've got forks that are tall, forks that are long, forks that are short. You've got everything in that drawer, and it's always clean. It's always organized. My wife has dividers in ours, right? So I know that that is a drawer I can't just throw anything into. And so here's what we tend to do. We tend to treat our hearts and tend to treat our lives like a drunk drawer. Why? Because when we don't know what to do with something and something is already so organized and disorganized and so messed up, it's just a lot easier to throw it right on in. And our hearts are a spiritual mess. And so what we do is when we look at our lives and we think about where we are and we'll just dump anything into it. All right, it's already messed up. Let's just throw it all in there. So we throw all kinds of messy cluttered, useless sin, bad habits, things that waste our time, like social media, worthless things that have no benefit to our walk with Jesus. We all binge watch things and we all allow things in our eyes and our ears and our minds that we should never allow and never entertain. And yet we just put it in over and over and over again because we're a junk drawer. Jesus says here, it starts with your eyes. And then it goes down to your heart. Are you making a covenant with God with your eyes? That's what David would do in Psalm 51. Right? When he needed to repent of his sin and confess his sin, he needed to be right with God. God, I'm making a covenant with you. I don't want to fall into sin anymore. I don't want to fall into the traps of temptation. God, I want to be right with you. And so we got to repent. we got to confess. We have to let the Holy Spirit clean us up because Jesus will do it if you ask. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to not only forgive us of our sins, but then to purify us from all unrighteousness, to make us right with him. And so what we see here in this text, is you think about this whole entire context, if your right eye causes you to sin, throw it away. If your left hand causes you to sin, throw it away. Whatever it may be, purity, know this, purity requires an extreme decision, but it rescues you from an eternal destruction. All right, purity requires an extreme decision, but it rescues you from eternal destruction destruction. Jesus says this, whatever steps you have to take to deal with your sin, be willing to do whatever it takes. If it's sexual sin, if it's a substance sin like alcohol, if it's something else that you're struggling with and dealing with, whatever it may be, he says, take whatever steps you got to take to make yourself right with me. It's not worth it. It's not worth hell. It's not worth the distance. It's not worth the price tag. There's nothing in my life worth keeping that keeps me from God. 
there's nothing in my life worth keeping that keeps me from God. I must be willing to give up anything in order to gain God. So I'll challenge you guys. What is it that you need to cut out? Is it a cell phone? Are you struggling with pornography? Seven out of ten men in this room would. Six out of ten women would. Would you be willing to cut out the pornography in your life? Maybe that requires a cell phone. Maybe that requires a TV package. Maybe it's a substance. Would it require you getting rid of the alcohol in your household because, man, you can't struggle. You're struggling with drunkenness and you're struggling with the sin of that. Would you be willing to say, I need to eliminate this because I'm tempted to go down that road and nothing good happens there? Would you want to cut out the substances in your life? What about that relationship at work? It's not yet physical, but maybe it's emotional. Maybe there's text messaging going on that shouldn't be happening or emails, and maybe you need to cut that person out of your life because you need to be right with God and right with each other. I don't know what it is. We can go down a trail of all kinds of things in this room, right? We can go down a trail of all kinds of addictions and strongholds and all kinds of problems that you and I face and all kinds of temptations from the enemy that shoots our direction. We can deal with anything and everything in this room, but I know this. There is victory in the name of Jesus, right? There is hope in the name of Jesus, There are people in this room who have been delivered from sexual addiction. There are people in this room who have been delivered from substance addiction. There is hope for you today. So I don't know what your story is, but I know this. Your destiny can be delivered by Jesus. You just have to repent and confess and come to Christ, and he will make you brand new. But it starts with the heart. Bring your heart. Purify me, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Give me a clean heart. I want to be right with you. And so we're seeing this. At the end of the day, the take home is this. Purity is not a line that you cross. It is a direction that you go. Purity is a direction. I'm walking towards Christ. I'm walking in Christ-likeness. I'm to be holy as he is holy. This is the question that every high school student wants to ask and every college student and young adult wants to ask. They always want to know this. How far is too far, right? We've all heard that question. How far is too far? And that's the question that these guys are asking. Hey, how far can I go without breaking the law? How far can I go without being wrong? What's legal for me to do before I cross the line? And that's why purity is not a line. Jesus is teaching us it's not a line. It's a direction. Because the better question, if you flip that on your head and you flip it upside down, the question now better to ask this How close to Jesus is too close? How close to righteousness is too close? How close to purity is too close? And the answer is never close enough. That's why we keep working. God, I repent. God, help me to bounce my eyes from that. God, help me to purify my heart from this. God, help me not to dwell upon this. Help me not to have anger in my heart towards this person. Help me, God, not to withhold forgiveness from that person. All right, we've talked about anger and murder. Now we're talking about lust and adultery. So God, help me to be purified from those things that would bind me and keep me in a prison. God, I want to be free, God, as you have set me free. And so God, help me to do this today. Here's the application. Draw near to God. Draw near. James 4.8 says, draw near to God He will draw near to you. We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.